Hey, everybody, it's Tony Thaxton. Before the show starts, really quick, I just want to tell you there is a new merch item for sale. It's the Sgt. Pepper parody artwork done by the great Alex Robinson. For reasons uninteresting and I won't get into, I had to start a separate merch store just for this item. You can get it on shirts, you can get it on mugs, blankets, towels, phone cases, whatever. And it's doing this through Threadless. But the easiest way to find this is go to BizarreAlbums.com and go to the bottom and click on 100th episode merch store and pick up some merch today. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Spider-Man, Rock Reflections of a Superhero, from 1976. Please welcome back the cast of the Broadway musical Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. In the summer of 2011, Broadway veteran Patrick Page appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman to perform A Freak Like Me Needs Company from the now infamous Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark Broadway show. Despite the huge appeal of combining Spider-Man and U2, the show was doomed from the start. Several of its actors were injured performing stunts, and the opening night was repeatedly delayed. After a record-setting 182 preview performances, the show finally opened on June 14, 2011. It was the most expensive Broadway production in history, and it would end up being a huge financial loss. The whole story is pretty unreal, and if you want to hear it all, I covered it way back on episode 16 of Bizarre Albums back in 2019, so go and check that out. But Turn Off the Dark wasn't the only time Spider-Man was combined with music. In fact, it happened a good 35 years prior. But let's go back to the beginning for a minute. The character of Spider-Man first appeared in Marvel Comics' final issue of its anthology comic book, Amazing Fantasy, back in August of 1962. He was created by Stan Lee and writer-artist Steve Ditko. Here's Stan Lee on Larry King Live in 2000, talking about how he created Spider-Man. I had already done the Fantastic Four and the Hulk, and... We were on a roll, and we decided, let's get another hero. And I thought to myself, okay, but the thing with a superhero that you have to get is a unique superpower. Well, we already had somebody who was the strongest guy in the world, somebody who could fly and so forth. I was thinking, what else is left? I was sitting, and I saw a fly crawling on the wall. And I said, wow, suppose a person had the power to stick to a wall like an insect. So I was off and running, and I thought, what'll I call him? I tried Mosquito Man, that didn't have any glamour. Insect Man, that was even worse. I went down the line, and I got to Spider-Man. It sounded mysterious and dramatic, and lo, a legend was born. The publisher was shocked to discover that the Spider-Man introduction was one of Marvel's best-selling comics. A solo ongoing series, The Amazing Spider-Man, would hit shelves in early 1963, and become Marvel's top-selling series. 
1967, Spider-Man made his way to television in the form of a Saturday morning cartoon. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. The ABC series debuted on Saturday, September 9th, 1967. Simply titled Spider-Man, the show starred Paul Souls as Peter Parker, looking very old here, by the way, and his alter ego, Spider-Man. I don't know how long I can fool Aunt May, but Spider-Man's needed now. <laughs> wow, between my cold and that pepper, pepper! Hey, I bet that's the answer. First, I have to find Rhino. If that voice sounds familiar to you, that's because Paul Souls was also the voice of Hermie in the 1964 classic TV special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? You'll be a dentist. You have a talent for causing things. When the 70s came around, Marvel Comics was licensing their characters to different media companies. In 1972, they released an album with Buddha Records called The Amazing Spider-Man, a rock comic. It was an audio adaptation of Spider-Man, with songs sprinkled in here and there. The songs featured the singing voice of Ron Dante, who was also the singing voice behind the Archies. That album flopped, but then Marvel licensing executive Ann Robinson had a bigger idea for a series of rock albums based on Marvel characters. She took this idea to Lifesong Records. Lifesong was a new label at the time. In 1975, American prog rock band Crack the Sky became the first band to release an album on the label. Their self-titled debut was a hit with critics, and it did make a brief appearance on the charts, Speaking at number 161 on the Billboard 200. He said you're doing fine, you know, you got an okay mind, you know, and I would hate to see you falling away. You better hold on, hold on, hold on. Their album had three credited producers, Terrence P. Minogue, Marty Nelson, and William Kirkland. Those three producers, along with the members of Crack the Sky, would all work together on making a record for Marvel Comics. And in 1976, Spider-Man, Rock Reflections of a Superhero, was released on Lifesong Records. One of the producers, Marty Nelson, takes the lead vocal on most of the album. Nelson was an original member of Grammy Award-winning jazz vocal group The Manhattan Transfer, appearing on their 1971 debut album, Jukin. He worked as a producer, but only for a few years after this record, and then he went back to singing, even appearing on past Bizarre Album subject Frank Sinatra's trilogy Past, Present, and Future. But here's Nelson singing the album's opener, High Wire.
Between each of the songs, the album features narration from Stan Lee. Effortlessly, he glides between the tallest buildings in mammoth New York City, but has he really kissed his old way of life goodbye? No One's Got a Crush on Peter is a song co-written by the album co-producer Terrence P. Minogue. Minogue also provided the album's arrangements in addition to some keyboards and percussion. He was the A&R director for Life Song Records and has two gold records for his arrangements for Jim Croce. The song's other co-writer is Ray Stevens. Oh, yes, they call him the street. Yes, that Ray Stevens, the man responsible for novelty songs like the 1974 number one hit, The Streak, co-wrote one song on this album. All right, hold on here. Uh, this is an unprecedented mid-show potential correction. The album lists R. Stevens as the co-writer. Discogs links Ray Stevens to being the co-writer. However, this album features a keyboardist named Rob Stevens, who, a couple years after this, would also join Crack the Sky. I have a hunch that he's the R. Stevens here, but I really want it to be Ray Stevens, so since I'm not 100% positive on this, let's just pretend it's Ray Stevens. Marty Nelson shares the lead vocal with Jenny Saxon on the next song, Square Boy. Nelson also wrote the song. Peter was a boy, an average all-American, a U.S. male, minding his own business in this crazy world, but the world wouldn't leave well enough alone, 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 alone. He had some problems with the girls, he didn't quite know how to strike up a conversation, no. Communicate with the feminine nation. Oh, in summation, you could say he was an egghead. Side One's closer is simply called Spider Man. It was released as a single and supposedly even got some play on college radio. Once I was nothing but a failure, now I know just who I am. Side 2 begins by switching gears to a doo-wop song called Gwendolyn, about Peter Parker's crush, Gwen Stacy. This is another song written by Marty Nelson. Gwen.
album's artwork was done by Will Eisner comic book Hall of Fame artist John Romita. Romita is also the co-creator of Wolverine and the Punisher. The album's back cover credits a lot of the Marvel characters playing instruments here. Power Man on bass, the Falcon provides hand claps, the Incredible Hulk on drums, Mighty Thor on trumpet, Conan and the Barbarians providing the strings, the Silver Surfer on keyboards, Electric Guitar by Black Panther, and Captain America on tambourine. The actual musicians are also credited on the bottom of the back cover. It features the members of Crack the Sky, drummer Jerry Murata, who shortly after this record would start playing with Peter Gabriel before playing with Hall & Oates and the Indigo Girls. It also features alto saxophone by David Sanborn. Sanborn has played with countless artists over the years, and his solo jazz albums would see crossover success in the 1980s. Up next is Dr. Octopus. It's the only song on the album sung by Ray DeRouge. Probably saying his name wrong. I'm sorry. The song was written by Crack the Sky guitarist, keyboardist, and vocalist John Palumbo, who also plays keys on this album. The song is split up into two sections with some Stan Lee narration in the middle. In 2002, Crack the Sky's self-titled debut album was released on CD. It included four bonus tracks one of which was Dr. Octopus Part 2, and the best I can tell, it's the same recording from this album. It should be noted here that toward the end of the song, Dr. Octopus threatens to turn Thor and Black Panther into go-go dancers. The album's closer, Time Will Show Me The Way, was written by its three producers. It was also the B-side to the Spider-Man single. The album didn't do well, and Lifesong wouldn't make any more Marvel albums. They did release several more albums from Crack the Sky, and a lot of posthumous Jim Croce albums. This would see a CD release in 2000 thanks to Winthrop Records, and it's currently streaming on Spotify. Music for comic book heroes was hardly a new thing when this album was released, and Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark wasn't even the first attempt at a superhero Broadway musical. Back in 1966, Charles Strauss and Lee Adams, the composers behind the Tony Award-winning Bye Bye Birdie, wrote the music for It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. 
And yes, there is a cast recording, but that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums.